0: Welcome to The Chief Zone. I'm Farzane Vasugian. Thank you for downloading another edition of The Chief Zone podcast. Glad to have you with me here, whether you're listening in the morning, afternoon, at night, whether you're at work, at home, on the road, driving. Pretty sure you making this podcast part of your day. Got an exciting show for you. In fact, we're going to get into it very quickly. Uh, I'm going to bring in Max Shepman in just a moment. Uh, he is the former host of the Steel Pit Podcast, formerly on thesportstuff.com. Max did a great job with the podcast, and uh, I've known him for a while, and uh, I I figured he'd uh, he'd like to do this podcast deal again, so we're going to do a hit with him here on this podcast. Going to bring him in to preview the Chiefs and the Steelers. Chiefs 1-5 right now, looking to snap that five-game losing streak way, somehow, and we're going to get into it. I know not a lot of people not feeling too hopeful right now with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I, before we get into our segment with Max, I want to touch on, you know, Andy Reid and just the reaction everyone is having. Uh, look, I and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I'll keep it brief. I completely agree that the play-calling duties need to change and be given to somebody else. And more preferably, the offensive coordinator, Doug Peterson. I, I think that's the that's a logical thing to do. I don't agree with firing Andy Reid. I think a lot of people are forgetting what he did when he got here and just what he's done to turn this thing around. Uh, we talked about it with Jay Binkley in the last edition of the Chiefs. And if you haven't caught it, be sure you catch that episode. We interviewed Jay Binkley from 610 Sports Radio. Great interview with Jay he uh, gave a lot of great input on this Chiefs team, and especially the coaching issue that the Chiefs have right now, and uh, the reaction that people are having with this, the outrage really... But I think Andy Reid is the right guy for this job here in Kansas. If you let Andy Reid go, who are you going to bring in next season, during the offseason? I know there are going to be some surprising coaching openings. uh You know, you never know, sometimes maybe other head coaches, I mean, there's already a rumor that Pete Carroll could go back to USC, who knows? So a lot of surprising coaching firings could happen here and there, but if you let Andy Reid go, who are you going to bring in? And I think it is a hard sell, it was a hard sell in 2012 to bring in a, a head coach of Andy Reid's caliber, but, you know, Clark Hunt was able to do it and brought him in, and next thing you know, the Chiefs. Became a very competitive football team. I know that's not the case this year, but I still think this is the the right coach for the Chiefs. I really do. So, y- you think about what he's doing with Jamal Charles. And I know the talent outside of Jamal Charles on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, look, who do you have? Yeah, sure, you had Alex Smith make the Pro Bowl one year uh, as an alternate. I mean, regardless whether it was an alternate or, or as a first ballot Pro Bowl. I mean, he made it one way or another. You had a couple other guys. In the mix, guys like Brandon Albert, who I obviously not on the team anymore, but it's it's hard. Uh, and I look, Jeremy Macklin and Travis Kelsey both good threats, and hopefully Macklin is gonna be available for the Chiefs this week, but the offense I I, I think the issues you're seeing on offense, and I look it is all on the quarterback majority of it, I should say, is on the quarterback. Uh, Even the offensive line, even though the offensive line is really bad, the things that Alex Smith is doing, I can't sit there and blame the offensive line for this or the wide receivers dropping passes. Uh, Look, every team goes through drop passes and and missed blocks. And the Chiefs are going through a lot of that too, but the way Alex Smith overthrows his receivers, and I I said it, the first play of that game this past week against the Vikings, overthrown pass to Kelsey. You can't criticize Andy Reid for that. And look, if people want to be critical, fine. Everyone has every right to. But if you're going to criticize Andy Reid, criticize him for the play calling, not for what's going on on the field with Alex Smith. I think some of the decision-making you're seeing makes you scratch your head. And look, I, I, I would agree that a quarterback switch needs to happen unfortunately because of the contract that's not going to happen anytime soon just just felt compelled to get that out there because I know a lot of people are done with Andy Reid and and look not a lot of people are geared in with the with the Chiefs right now especially with the Royals getting ready for game six a a huge weekend uh against Toronto hopefully a short weekend against Toronto but we'll see how things go uh for the baseball side here in Kansas City but I think a lot of people here's the biggest thing you don't you really want to fire Andy Reid after one bad season? Let's assume this is a really bad year. Let's assume he gets two or three wins total. You want to fire him just for one bad year? If Herm Edwards and Todd Haley are given a couple years, I think Andy Reid deserves at least one here, one full season and come back one more time next year for a second season if that second season is bad. So let's slow down a little bit and keep in mind that even some of the best coaches and players, they all in sports, they all take a step back. I mean, we've seen it before. So hopefully, Andy, I, I really do believe, and Jake kind of convinced me of this in the last episode when we interviewed him. He kind of convinced me that Andy Reid won't be gone just for one bad season. All right, we'll be back. We are going to bring in Max Shepman, former host of the Steel Pit Podcast. Stay tuned. All right, we're back here on the Chief Zone. Big thanks to you guys for listening to this edition of the Chief Zone, getting ready to preview the Chiefs and Steelers matchup. And I've got a special guest with me. I've got Max Shepman on the line. Max and I, we go way back. Uh, it's uh, Gosh, I want to say 2000, I think it was 2007. Uh, he and I uh, both hosted a, a po- podcast on uh, thesportstuff.com, uh, which was uh, run by Dylan Richardson. Big shout-out to Dylan and uh, he basically both gave us uh, an opportunity. And right now, Max, uh, I mean, he, he did great things with the Steel Pit, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. He's right now with ESPN West Palm in Florida and also with WPTV, the NBC affiliate down there. And he is joining us here to help us break down the Chiefs and Steelers this Sunday. Max, what's going on, man? Good to talk to you again.
1: Barzine, well, what's up, my man? Yeah, like you said, it's uh, it feels like forever ago that we uh, that we're doing this, and you know, it's just kind of like a little reunion we got going on here tonight.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I remember those are those are some good times, and yeah, big props to uh, Dylan who I mentioned earlier. I, I know, I mean, you and I both know there was another podcasting website out there uh, that just really didn't give much opportunities, and and Dylan, he was. I, I, I'll say it. I mean, he was he was a risk taker. I think he was kind of hesitant to let I mean, we were both in high school, but yeah, you know, he 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 let us give it a go, and both of our podcasts uh, have done really well. I've kind of been on and off with this podcast. I've admitted it for a while, um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it's a lot of fun, uh, and uh, I know you and I have both done a lot of things uh, outside of podcasting, and uh, it's it's definitely fun to to see see us kind of take advantage of it. Obviously, you you've done big things. What do you do uh, over at ESPN West Palm and with WPTV?
1: Uh, well, right now I'm just a uh, multimedia journalist uh, for the ESPN uh, Sports Department here at News Channel Five, the NBC affiliate. Like you mentioned, uh, we, we cover a lot of high school. Uh, high school is really our main thing. High school football, and you know, sometimes we'll go down and cover programs. But uh, yeah, just uh, you know, that camera guy that's uh, you know on the sidelines, just shooting, make sure the folks at home get some good highlights.
0: And if you're in the West Palm, Florida area. Be sure to follow Max, uh, for more additional coverage of that stuff. If that interests you, you can follow him at, on Twitter at madmax 1063. That's, uh, 106.3 for the ESPN West Palm station that he's a part of. Max, let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, I, this is what you do best. Uh, and you did it for a while on the, on the Steel Pit podcast back then. Uh, but the Chiefs and Steelers, a lot of people, uh, I, I, from Kansas City side, I, I think, in the past, they kind of look forward to this matchup because of Todd Haley, a former head coach in Kansas City, went on to Pittsburgh. And you and I kind of discussed this uh, before before the show. But Todd Haley just kind of has a really strange past. And we, we saw what happened with him and Anquan Bolden. I mean, that video went viral on uh, national on the net- national networks, and then locally too when he got hired. Uh, and he he's just had a strange experience with Kansas City. He was accused of. Flipping off of fan ones after a game against the Browns, he's had so many uh, barking matches with assistant coaches and, and players of his own on the sideline. There was even an incident once where the uh, Broncos blew out the, the Chiefs, and Todd Haley went up to Josh McDaniels, who was the head coach at the time, and kind of pointed a finger at him rather than shake his hand. I mean, th- this guy's history is, is not really one you want to have. Uh, it's it, it's not a good reputation to have and I heard. I remember uh, in uh, Pittsburgh when he got hired, there were some rumors that the Steelers were not happy with that hiring, especially uh, Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Steelers. What's the perception of Todd Haley from from the fans and the media? And what do you think uh, of the players in terms of how they perceive Todd Haley?
1: Well, you brought you brought it up, man. When when they first hired Todd Haley, a, a lot of questions really you know, raised throughout the organization because the offense offensive coordinator for him was Bruce Arians and, and you know the, his biggest fan was Ben Roethlisberger he loved him the guys loved playing for for Bruce Arians and all of a sudden that that situation went awry you know people saying he was resigned but then it came out he actually uh, was fired uh, and then he went on to his gig and then you know the Steelers bringing Todd Haley and uh, you know the first year was a really rocky relationship with with Todd and the organization itself um uh, you know, on the field, Ben really didn't like the style of Todd Haley. You know, they got into a couple disputes. You know, during practice as well. Um, you know, Todd wants to do it his way, and, and you know, in years past, Ben has really had full control of the offense. And Todd, you know, new guy wants to implement his stuff, and, and you know, they just didn't get along. And you know, after, you know, you even had Snoop Dogg at one point calling call for Todd Haley's head, I believe, through the middle of the season to get rid of him. But uh, yeah. For some reason, I don't know what has happened, you know, over the past couple of years, but uh, they've really seemed to click. And, and from what I'm hearing around, uh, kind of league and reports on the Marine is, you know, guys love playing for Todd Haley because he he really knows how to work to the strength of the Steelers offense. You know, guys like Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and and he really puts them in the position to succeed and really get this offense going.
0: You know, I really wanted him to say in Kansas City, and you could tell he had a plan. I mean, Kansas City, and you know this uh, since you and I, we did some podcasts together in the past. I mean, Kansas City has had some really bad years, and Todd Haley seemed to have a plan in place. Uh, he gave Kansas City uh, their first division wins in 2010. It was the first time since 2003, and as a matter of fact, that's the last time the Chiefs won an AFC West mm-hmm. under Todd Haley. So, uh, I mean, he's a guy who definitely made his uh Presence known both good and bad, uh, but it, it seems like he's kind of gotten it under control at least. I, I think knowing that he didn't do too well his uh, his first time as a head coach, I, I think he definitely wants to be a head coach again. A lot of people wonder if he would ever go back to Arizona because of his relationship when he was the offensive coordinator of the Cardinals there. But obviously, right now, it's uh, it, I mean, the head coaching gig and everything going on in Arizona is under good control, but. Now, I think he may get that opportunity again. Uh, again, if Arizona's ever open a few years down the road, I think he goes there. But uh, do you how confident are you in that Todd Haley would one day be a head coach again and leave Pittsburgh for that opportunity?
1: I, I mean, I feel like at the path that he's going now, the success that he's had in, in the Steelers organization and offense, I feel like if the opportunity presented itself for him to be a head coach... Uh, and I'm kind of with you man if Arizona kind of popped up and said hey you know we're looking for a guy and and they reached out to Todd Haley I think uh, I think he would go for it and you know I think you brought it up you know he he kind of had that bad side to him but you brought it up it it was his first NFL gig and you know when things are going well everybody's happy everything's smooth but you know when when things kind of start to fail and, and you kind of get that losing side to you yeah things can go awry and I think if again, if he was presented that opportunity, I feel like he would go for, it. and I would think he would take you know the mistakes that he made in Kansas City and, and kind of really uh, you know make them not happen in Arizona or, or a place where he would go because you know he he would have that couple years of head coaching experience and what it would take and the image it takes to be a head coach in the National Football League.
0: Another Chiefs Steelers connection here is Michael Vick with Andy Reid. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I believe Michael Vick, when, when he was doing time in Leavenworth, Kansas, uh, the majority of foot I mean, Leavenworth is Kansas City country, so he watched a lot of Chiefs football. I mean, this is the team that he was familiar with the most uh, while he was behind bars. Uh, when they'd have the TV on, the Chiefs were the team that he saw the most because of the coverage. Uh, so I, I don't know if at one point he ever wondered if he would ever be in a Chiefs jersey the uh, the Eagles gave him an opportunity, and Andy Reid was there at the time. In fact, uh, Michael Vick coincidentally his first game was against the Chiefs. Uh, eventually, won the Comeback Player of the Year. His his, his career has really been up and down. Even uh, before uh, he uh, went uh, went to prison for uh, dog fighting, but this is a guy who I think has a lot of talent. When he went to Pittsburgh, though, I mean there were there were thousands of petitions, uh, thousands of people signing a petition to get Michael Vick out of there. Uh, Michael Vick seems to have shown some flashes here and there ever since he he got to Pittsburgh and took control of that starting job after Roethlisberger's injury in Week Three. Uh, how do you think Steelers Steelers fans view Michael Vick right now? I mean,
1: uh, when they, when they first signed Michael Vick, man, I think uh, more people wanted uh, you know the Steelers not to sign Michael Vick more than Todd Haley. Um, you, you brought it up, man. There was petitions all over the place. You know, just trying to make sure the Steelers don't sign this guy. You know, obviously his dogfighting past, and and you know, who am I to argue with people? You know, with you know what they've done wrong, and you know, should people get other chances? Yeah. Um, and I think not only with his past, you know, do people have the bad perception with him, but these past few games that you know Michael Vick has kind of played, uh, it's really been disappointing. Um, you know, it, it, it just seems like he doesn't have, it just it doesn't really seem like he has it anymore. Uh, in, in, you know, the past couple of day, games, he's been pressured. He's, he really hasn't ran. Um, obviously, you know, Michael Vick would light it up back in the day with the Falcons with, with his legs, and it just seems like he doesn't have that anymore. And, and kind of specifically with this Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers offense, I mean, you gotta think he's only been with the team about eight weeks now. Uh, this him yeah. you know, late August. So I mean, he doesn't necessarily have the full grasp of the offense, um, but you know, with eight weeks, he would have, I guess, kind of enough knowledge to know, you know, a couple audibles and all that. But I feel like he just doesn't have the authority to kind of audible out of plays. And for him, if I saw, you know, if his first reads weren't there, uh, he would a kind of just throw the ball away or throw, you know, the little checkdown that would go for a yard or two. Um, it just doesn't seem like he really has the command of the offense. And the, you brought it up a couple flashes uh, of Michael Vick. You know, you go back to the Baltimore Ravens game in which they lost. You know, he, he that was his first game. Uh, he played extremely well for the limited time that he had to prepare for that game. Uh, I thought Todd Haley did a great job of putting him in you know position to succeed. Uh, and then the only other one that I really saw was the final drive uh, in San Diego, you know, where, where it kind of led the Steelers. Uh, On the comeback trail, but you saw in in key moments, you know, down the stretch that they would take the ball out of Michael Vick's hands, and I think that just kind of shows you the trust that I guess Mike Tomlin and Todd Haley really have in Michael Vick. Because I, you know, when it comes down to crunch time, I I, they just don't feel like you can get the job done.
0: I want to touch on the offense a little bit more, and uh, I remember the Chiefs and the Steelers faced off. Uh, it, it was in Pittsburgh last year. This time it's going to be in Kansas City, but going into that Steelers game, uh, it, look, it was crunch time, and the Chiefs really needed uh, to, to carve up some wins late in the season because they were fighting for a wild-card spot and fell short in Week 16 against the Steelers, but the thing about the Steelers, they've really got—and this is if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy— I think they've got a very reliable quarterback, running back, wide receiver trio in Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. We, we saw what Antonio Brown did last year, and it looks like he's on uh, pace to do it again this year. I mean, he's really playing at a very high level. What might be uh, a top five re- uh, receiver in the NFL. Some might even make the case that he is number one in the NFL as an overall wideout for, for the league. But this is uh, really uh, the Chiefs defense. They showed up against this Steelers crew last year, holding them to, I think, to just 20 points. I don't have that score in front of me, but the, the Chiefs showed up against the Steelers last year. This year, the Chiefs defensively are not the same as last year, which is a surprise to many people. Tom Bahaly and Justin Houston, I, I mean, they're still good, but they're just very inconsistent compared to how they've been in the past. How confident are you in Pittsburgh's offense going up against Kansas City's defense, which Really isn't the same as what it was the past couple of years for KC.
1: Uh I, I guess you kind of kind of caught me there. It, de- it depends on who's quarterbacking, man. Because I mean, if there's Ben Roethlisberger, you know, uh, even at sixty percent, it's still a huge upgrade over Michael Vick and Landry Jones. Uh, I mean, like I said, you bring in, you know, brown I you know, very confident in that group because obviously, you know, you have Ben, you have Le'Veon Bell, you got Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant, who's really on the rise as their number two receiver. Um, uh, the one key that I have, uh, you know, you brought up Haley and Justin Houston is the Steelers left tackle, Kelvin Beecham went down with, uh, the ACL injury, um, last week against Arizona, and, and that's that's really a big blow because he probably was their best pass blocker uh, on that offensive line, you know, really protecting the blind side of the quarterback, and, you know, I feel like, you know, Alejandro Vill- Villanueva, you know, taking over that spot right now, um, I feel if, if, you know, if Tomahali or Justin Houston is kind of lined up on him, he doesn't really have that much playing time experience, so, uh, that could be a possible problem you know, with that offense if they can't get the job done on that left side of the line.
0: This is actually kind of personal interest. Uh, I remember David DeCastro was coming out, and uh, Matt Miller from Bleacher Report, who does a great job of scouting, uh, he really thought that David DeCastro could play any of the five offensive line positions in the NFL, and I was hoping the Chiefs would have taken him uh, a couple of years ago in the draft, but uh, the Steelers ended up getting him instead. How confident have you been with David DeCastro, and are you liking what you've seen him as a right guard so far?
1: Absolutely, I love everything about David, DeCra- David DeCastro. His size, his speed, um, his intelligence on the offensive line. Um, like you said, I man, um, you know every. I think every team was was kind of trying to track him down on the radar, and the Steelers picked him up. And uh, he just brings so much to the Steelers' offense because you know with the counter run that they like to uh, the Steelers like to use. Uh, they pull David DeCastro a lot, and, and he's one of those offensive linemen that can get up the field quickly. Uh, you know, to get to the second level, uh, to block the linebackers, to clear a hole for for Le'Veon or, or D'Angelo Williams for them to get, uh, you know, in space. Uh, David DeCastro, you know, I think one of his biggest weaknesses coming in to the team was, was his pass blocking, and you got to give a lot of a lot of props to Mike Munchak, the offensive line coach, you know, obviously Hall of Famer. He's really worked with him. Uh, on just all the fundamentals of you know being trying to become you know an all pro offensive lineman and him, and he's really stepped up his game and you know you could possibly uh, you know put him up for for one of the best offensive linemen in the league.
0: We're here with Max Shetman here on the Chiefstone Podcast. Max uh, and I both uh, go way back. We both did uh, podcasts on another website, thesportstuff.com. dot com. He used to co host the Steel Pit, which was the Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, and uh, he's also doing work. Uh, down in the uh, Florida area at ESPN West Palm and also WPTV, the NBC affiliate. I want to switch to the defensive side of the ball, Max, but before I do that, I do want to touch on The kicking situation for the Steelers, Uh, obviously, you mentioned that Ravens game, and uh, that was just a really ugly night for Josh Scobie. I I think there were a combination of things as to why the Steelers lost. I I still recall that Thursday night game. Uh, I mean, the play calling really shocked me when um, they didn't give the ball to Le'Veon Bell. On I think it was two fourth-down opportunities in overtime, and uh, gosh, the Ravens come back big. In that game, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was 20-7. to Uh, That's uh, how uh, down the Ravens were. But it seems like they've really got it with their new kicker, Chris Boswell, who uh, was just named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. It's safe to say Pittsburgh is in much better hands with, or I I, I guess a much better feat with Chris Boswell right now. Oh, absolutely,
1: man. And, and, uh, you know, kind of think about it. I don't know if I've ever seen a kicking carousel like I have this year uh, yeah. like the Steelers. uh, you know, obviously, you know, their starter, uh, Sean Sweezum towards AC on the preseason Oprah, uh, you know, one of the most accurate guys in in, in the NFL, uh, especially a high field. Uh, you know, obviously, we know how tough it is to get there, uh, kick there. Uh, and then obviously, yeah. you know, they, signed, they signed Garrett Hartley, uh, pulled a hamstring, uh, against Buffalo, so he's out for the year. Uh, you, you brought up Josh Grobe, man. I feel, I feel like as Steelers fans, every time they send him out on the field, there was a sense of, you know, nerves. It was like, hey, is he going to make this? Uh, because, you know, I remember the first game uh, against New England. He missed the extra point. Now, you know, granted, Josh Scobie has accomplished a lot in the NFL, uh, but, you know, you, you got to make those extra points, especially for him, for how long he's been in the league with Jacksonville. And and it's not like the first time like he's kicked in pressure situations. And it's not like it was the first time he's ever kicked at Heinz Field. You know, he, he's kicked there in, in NFL playoff games, you know, deep in December. Uh So he should, you know, granted, he should know a little bit about the atmosphere and what it takes to kick there. And uh, you brought up the Baltimore game. And that was just the final straw for for Steelers fans and, and and the organization. You know, hey, hey, we gave up you know a conditional sixth round pick for this guy, and, and obviously he's not producing. You know, he he finished six for ten, and you know you say, oh, you know, four field was missed. You know, kickers are going to miss them. Yeah, they are going to miss them. But you know, you got to hit the kicks in in pressure situations. And Josh Kobe had two times to uh kind of really put the Ravens away, and the Steelers kind of ice that game for you know for them to win it but that just didn't happen and the next thing you know tryouts are coming out and you hear this guy chris boswell you're like oh, who is that guy and uh you know come to find out you know he's never played in an nfl game they sign him and everybody's like okay well this is a little interesting uh and, and you know his first game against san diego he hit a 47 yarder right down the pipe and you know, everybody's like okay well you know for beginners like all right good for him uh, and then next week uh, against Cardinals, he he showed really why he was the right choice. You know, finished four for four, and, and the distances that he kicked from uh, should really calm Silver fans. Uh, he hit two forty-seven yarders, a forty-eight yarder, and a fifty-one yarder. And again, that's at Heinz Field, and probably one of the toughest places to kick in the NFL. And literally, yeah. he hit them, he hit them all right down the pipe. And, and from what I saw with that 51 yard, he probably could have made it from 57 with as much leg, uh, as he got. And, and, and he really deserved, you know, the special teams player of, of the week this week just because, uh, he's really shown the Steelers. They, they took the chance on him and it's really proven them right. And, and just the, the leg on this guy. And, you know, he says he really doesn't feel any pressure. All he has to do is kick the ball straight. And so far, so good for Steelers fans. And, and again, if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm really happy with the choice of Chris Boswell. and And, you know, if they ever decide to, you know, hey, let's go for three instead of six, I feel very confident uh, with, you know, Boswell instead of of Josh Gobi and me really trying to hold my breath and make sure he makes it.
0: I remember a few years ago, the Steelers had probably the scariest defense I've ever seen uh, under Dick LeBeau. And, and, and look, when you have Dick LeBeau as your defensive coordinator, that's that's already number one. Uh, your defense is going to be good. But uh, a couple of guys still on the team, Lawrence Timmons, James Harrison. And I know Harrison, he stepped away for a while, but is now back. I think he's got more of a backup role. But I still remember guys like Farrier, uh, Lamar Woodley, uh, Brett Kiesel. I mean, th- that was a really scary Defense to go up against, and uh, right now, uh, I, I don't know if I would say that's the same dominant Steelers defense, but they're still pretty good right now. In fact, they're uh, ranked number one, they're tied number one in the NFL in turnover margin at positive six, whereas the Chiefs are tied 19th at a minus two. Uh, this defense does allow a lot of yards, in fact, they're 23rd in net yards per game. Uh, but they don't allow a lot of points. They're 7th in the NFL in points allowed per game, which... And look, I think people get so mixed up with statistics sometimes. Just because you're the 32nd ranked defense, that doesn't mean you're the worst defense. That just means you've allowed the most yards. I think people get that screwed up so much. They really do. And this Steelers defense, uh, they'll stand up to anybody and... With Jamal Charles out, who, again, he was really the offense for Kansas City. And Macklin, Jeremy Macklin, he's got a concussion. We don't know if he's going to be out or not. Uh, He seems to be doing okay for now, but still no word on whether or not he'll uh, he'll participate in Sunday's game. Who does Alex Smith have on this offense? Uh, I'm not too confident with the Chiefs going up against Pittsburgh's defense. What do you think of Pittsburgh's defense, defense, especially going up against an offense that really doesn't have an identity without Jamal Charles?
1: Well, you brought it up, man. They're twenty third in the NFL, uh, you know, in total defense, but but really the the slogan I feel like that's being tossed around a lot is "Ben, don't break." Uh, I mean, they're average. Uh, they're allowing you know close to three hundred and seventy six yards per game, uh, which is a lot, uh, you know, considered today uh, in, in defenses, but. Uh, the key for them is, is, you brought it up, is forcing turnovers. And that's what they've That's what they've done. They've forced seven turnovers the past three games. And that's what they used to live on, you know. The defenses, you brought it up, the James Ferriers, and, and the Troy Palamalu, Troy Palamalu's, and that's what they lived on, man. Force turnovers, go score on offense. And you brought it up. It, 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 it's not really as intimidating as, you know, the defenses in the past, but, you know, you brought it up. You guys got James Harrison, uh, uh, Cameron Hayward on the defensive line, uh, Mike Mitchell, who, who's a really hard hitter in the secondary. You know those guys, and, and you know you just put them all together with with a, with a bunch of unknowns, really. You know guys like Antoine Blake and Ross Cockerell You know in the secondary, everybody's like, oh, who are those guys? But you know they really seem to to fit well as a unit. And like I said, they they kind of really held uh, Arizona, who, who's the top offense in the NFL, to to really nothing, fifteen points. Uh, and, and it was really impressive to see their red zone defense, uh, just really stopping drives, forcing field goals, and, and that's what's going to win in the NFL. And, and you look up to this matchup against the Chiefs, you brought it up. There's no Jamal Charles, uh, Jeremy Macklin's down. Uh, I think really the biggest threat that I think the Steelers have to worry about is, is Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Um, in, in the past, Steelers really haven't been you know, known for defending tight ends well, uh, and that you know, obviously Travis Kelsey is you know one of the top uh, tight ends in the game right now. Uh, but I think with Keith Butler, the new defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator taking over for Dick LeBeau, uh, I think he's going to bring a lot of pressure uh, this week. Uh, again, you, there's really no threat of a running game, uh, so you know why not stack the box there? And obviously, you know, with Kelsey, it's kind of really a one-man show. And, you know, you have probably two of the best cover linebackers with Lawrence Simmons and Ryan Chazier, who's expected to play in this game. I feel like if they take Travis Kelsey away, I think, it, you know, you might see a big sack day with guys like James Harrison, the rookie Bud Dupree, uh, you know, the defensive line has done extremely well so far. And I just feel like, you know, you brought it up, man. There's not really many weapons out for that Kansas City offense. And I feel like, you know, Keith Butler and Miss Steelers defense could could have a field day against them.
0: Yeah, this offensive line for the Chiefs is not very good at all. Matt Castle on pace to be sacked around 70 times this year, which, uh, I mean, that that, that that's going to come really close to the record. Uh, but yeah, as far as this offense goes, and, I, and I'm and i kind of curious from your perspective, uh, and I know you're in Miami Dolphins territory, and, and the Chiefs and Dolphins, I mean, they play each other, gosh, every couple of years, I mean, they don't play each other as often since they're not in the same division, but being in the same conference, they, they get that, and also, I mean, you, you, you follow the Steelers very closely, so you see the Chiefs uh, quite a bit but Jamal Charles I mean he's really viewed as the top guy and I think a lot of teams would love to have him the thing about Jamal Charles is he has he's literally the offense for the, for the Chiefs the past couple of years I remember he led the NFL in total touchdowns in 2013 that's because the Chiefs couldn't rely on Dwayne Bowe or anybody else. Last year, you couldn't even rely on Dwayne Bowe to catch a touchdown. In fact, it was against the Steelers in Week 16, he dropped one. And then the following week against San Diego last year, he was on his way to the end zone, and he fumbles the uh, the uh, touchdown. Uh, he was on his way to having a touchdown, and and Travis Kelsey picked it up, and Travis Kelsey was upset because he wanted to see a, a wide receiver teammate get it, and said the Chiefs went all all of last year without a wide receiver touchdown. They got one on Monday Night Football this year against the Packers, but I, I'm just kind of curious what your perspective is of Jamal Charles, because, I mean, the Chiefs are, the Chiefs fans kind of play this card that, hey, we don't get enough attention, but uh, Jamal Charles, I, he's definitely got the national media's attention, doesn't he? Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. He's He's, you know he's right up there with probably you know Le'Veon Bell and those guys. It's one of the top running backs in the NFL. Uh, he's such a dangerous guy. Uh, you know not only his speed, uh, he he can always be a home run hitter. All it takes a couple inches of hole in that offensive line, and, and he can break one. And not only that, you know he he's such a dangerous weapon out of the backfield. and, and for an offense to have you know a two dimensional guy that can catch passes out of the backfield and also run the ball effectively. Uh, it's It's such a privilege to have in today's NFL and you know which the loss of Jamal Charles you brought it, I mean he pretty much is the offense. The offense is really kind of you know built around him and, and what he can do, and you know with him going down it, it, I feel like it just kind of takes the life out of out of the chief's offense because they don't really know where to turn to. Uh, right now and you know if Jamal Charles was playing in this game you know it it'd kind of be that threat of you know hey the Chiefs are going to run the ball they're really going to rely on Jamal Charles to come out of the backfield and that would present you know really a big challenge for the Steelers defense because uh, then you would have Travis Kelsey to cover and then Jamal Charles come out of the backfield and, and not not many defenders are, are you know can catch up with Jamal Charles out of the backfield.
0: Yeah, and Andy Reid, what he did with Brian Westbrook and LaShawn McCoy in Philadelphia, he's doing now with Jamal Charles, or at least he did, Uh, and Jamal Charles really turned into a completely different running back, which in a good way, too. We saw what he did in the past, and I feel like he was really used poorly by Todd Haley and Romeo Cornell when they were the head coaches here in Kansas City, and and to see Andy Reid come in, I, I think Jamal Charles needed that, and we are seeing... Uh, Jamal Charles basically be maximized. And uh, it, it, it's good and bad. It's good because you see how dominant he is. It's bad because uh, a running back should never have to carry that big of of a weight on his shoulders. And uh, unfortunately, he had to do that. And uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe that wear and tear and all that. Heavy lifting for the Chiefs eventually led to his second ACL tear in his career. It's a different ACL tear, but nonetheless, the Chiefs are going to be without him. And, and Max, I, I did pick up the Steelers defense on my on my fantasy team. Did you Did you do that?
1: They are a very popular pickup, and i I not very fortunate <laughs> to, uh, i was fortunate to pick them up in my ESPN uh, fantasy league. So
0: you know, oh, there you go.
1: I had the package defense that were on a buy, and you know, luckily Pittsburgh was still around. And I was like, you know what? As well as they're doing, why not give them the shot?
0: Yeah, look, I'm not the greatest fantasy fan, but I use Yahoo and um, on the uh, on the iPhone app, and I haven't noticed this on the actual website. I, I don't. I mean, look, we're all on our phones these days, uh, and on the on the iPhone app, it, it shows you who's being dropped the most and who's being added the most, and the number one. Team that's being or player or team, however you want to phrase it for fantasy football, that's being added the most is Pittsburgh's defense. Last year it was Minnesota's defense, which is who Kansas City went up against. Then hey, look, it's a logical, it's a logical move there. I mean, some of us have money on the line, so. You've got to make those moves right there. Uh, a couple more minutes with Max Shepman, uh, former uh, podcast host of the Steel Pit, the Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, also does work for ESPN, West Palm, and also WPTV. Uh, Max, uh, I mentioned you're in uh, Miami Dolphins' area. The Miami Dolphins did have a, a game in London uh, a couple of weeks ago, and the Chiefs, following this game, or I mean, yeah, after this week, they will go to London and face the Detroit Lions, and Look, right now, I guess it's a good thing that Chiefs fans don't have to pay for an eighth home game because of the way the, the team is looking this year. But, you you, 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 look, you've heard from me about Chiefs fans. I mean, they really are passionate. They have the record for loudest fan base in the NFL. They got that last year on a Monday Night Football game against the Patriots. Um, I mean, f- fans love going to games in Kansas City. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the Dolphins have played in London a couple of times. There was a lot of backlash from Chiefs fans a year ago when it was announced that the Chiefs would go play in London. Now, there's this talk that, look, if you give up a game, a home game, to go play in London, you'll get a Super Bowl. Now, here's the thing. There are three teams this year that gave up home games. You obviously can't promise three teams, the Super Bowl in the near future, because you have to consider who the three teams that gave up a home game last year and then three teams the following year. Eventually, it's going to add up and there's going to be too big of a list. I mean, do you follow what I'm saying? There, there, there's just way too much that the NFL wants from these teams in terms of giving up a home game. And here's Kansas City, and and look, again, I don't know because the Chiefs are doing so bad and because the Royals are so hot right now, I don't even know if people will care but Chiefs fans were really irate about this a year ago. What's the perception like in Miami and in other places? I mean, you also being a Steelers fan regarding the London series.
1: Uh, I, I really don't, I guess I really don't mind it. Uh, it is tough for, you know, franchises that I, I guess kind of on the winning roll to give up a, a home game to go there. But I, I understand what the NFL is trying to do, they're trying to expand. Um, I, I hear, you know, that they're trying to get games in Mexico as well. Uh, yeah. But it, it's really tough for, I would say, for NFL guys to, to kind of, you know, leave the United States and go to London uh, just because, you know, there's it's so different there. The time difference there, uh, you know, it's new surroundings. The whole, if you give up a home game, you have a chance, you know, for the Super Bowl. Uh, whatever happened to the good old days of just bidding on the Super Bowl and the highest bidder wins. Uh, yeah, you know those days. It, it just made it that much simple. And, and you brought it up, man. It, eventually, it's going to co- catch up to the NFL of uh, the list of teams that that you know that gave up a home game to host the Super Bowl. And you know you got to think, you know, with with venues that are that are trying to host the super bowl you got to think of of the venue of where it's at you know can people get there you you see it down here in miami you know Stephen ross is pumping all this money into into dolphin stadium uh with the new renovations down there and they're trying to get you know the super bowl down here and i think for fans it's a delight because you know international fans that that don't get to see nfl players up close and, and you know some of them some of them are Chiefs fans, some of them are Dolphins fans, some of them are Steelers fans. And for them, it's a really cool experience because, like I said, they don't get to see NFL players, uh, ever except on TV. But I think for the players, I, I think, you know, there's some, there's some negativity there. I mean, you heard about it. The league is trying to possibly move a franchise over there. And the backlash with that was just, you know, a lot of players are like, no, we don't want to do it. And, and I just think it's more of a hassle for the players to go there. Uh,
0: than, than anything else. Yeah, I, I want to touch on that, because that's what I wanted to get into also. I was, I was listening to the Dan Patrick show, uh, and I I don't know who he was interviewing. I was in the middle of the interview, and, and I got caught off guard, and I didn't hear who he was interviewing when they let him go in the end. Uh, they were actually talking about a, a team possibly, a franchise possibly coming to London. There's no way in hell that's going to work. First of all, th- there's a time zone difference. If you're going to travel... I mean if let's say there's a t- there's a team in London the road games are going to be brutal because of the of the travel and the distance they're going to lose every road game I mean, look I think people forget traveling just because it's a game the road team has to give up a lot I mean the road team has to lose a day of practice and preparation basically if you are traveling from London to play Pittsburgh or Kansas City you're losing a lot of preparation time it, with the travel and everything, you I mean, I, look, I don't know how long it takes to go from London to Kansas City, per se, uh, it, it, but it, it takes a while. Uh, I mean, I, look, I, you and I, we've traveled before. Uh, you know, you live on the East Coast. I don't know how often you've gone to the West Coast, but I imagine going from the East Coast to the West Coast, I mean, that takes a, a good chunk of your day. Uh, I remember traveling to, to Cancun once, and that took a good part of my morning and, and half of the afternoon. I mean, these these traveling issues, they, it's it's long, and then you also have to consider this, in the NFL, I mean, what the NFL usually starts in August, and then the regular season in September, what else happens in August and September, back to school, a lot of these guys want to travel, Would they want to keep their families with them wherever they move to, you're not just going to move your kid to a new school system in another country, now I understand, the Toronto Blue Jays and the Maple Leafs, There's they're in North America, that's a little different, London is on the other side of the globe. There's no way this is going to work. I don't know what the NFL is trying to do. I don't know if they're just trying to garner attention, but I, I, I don't know what they're how they're going to do this.
1: Yeah, yeah, you brought it up, man. The biggest thing is the travel, and, and they they talked about you know putting a franchise in London. I was just you know thought to myself like, how is this schedule going to work? Uh, because you know there's no possible way that you're going to fly teams out to London you know, every week or every other week or, or whatever the schedule, you know, may suggest. And I remember, you know, when this for concept first came out, uh, Ryan Clark, who, who works for ESPN, a former Steelers safety, uh, he really downplayed that. He said, there's no way that that's going to happen. Players aren't going to want to go over there. You brought it up, uh, you know, families, they want to stay by their families. They don't want to just pick them up and move them to a new country because uh, it, it, nobody wants to do that. And, and you know, just for guys, like I said, the travel—I I can't imagine it's less. It's less than the ten-hour flight. And you brought it up, you know, preparation. That's ten hours of preparation that you don't get. I mean, yeah, you might be able to watch and film on your iPad or, or whatever you got on. It depends on if they got, yeah, I guess Wi-Fi on these planes. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, but you know, uh, you know, a lot of preparation is as actually on the field. and If that's ten less hours that you get on the field, that, that's a really big disadvantage to to teams that are, you know, possibly, you know, going to London and you know for them to want to stay in London.
0: This is my last rant, I promise, on on the London deal. Look, I've always said why not have a preseason because look, who cares if you lose a home preseason game? I would rather much see the Chiefs have one home preseason game. And th- look, if you need to extend the preseason process to five weeks for all this, fine. I, it gives team maybe a, a longer bye week. I, I don't know, to prepare for the season. Because look, these bodies, they go through a lot in, in a football season. But the the, the counter argument to that is, who wants to see Brock Osweiler or Landry Jones or Aaron Murray? I mean, look, I, I get it. They don't want to see that. But when was the last time you saw the European soccer league bring their A game, their A team here to the United States? I remember Kansas City Soccer team played Manchester United in a friendly match, and at halftime Manchester United put on all their backups. So they it's a friendly match, so obviously they didn't take this game too seriously. Like like it wasn't the Premier Cup or anything. Uh, with all due respect to all the people in London who love the NFL, I think it's great, but this is America's sport. Don't sacrifice home games and all this international stuff. I mean, give them a preseason game. That's what their sports leagues do to us. I mean, they give us their B team, basically. You you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I I, kind of agree with you, uh, you know, kind of, you know, nobody really, nobody goes to an NFL game to see you know Landry Jones and the third team string guys. But you yeah. know, if, if you were to do something like that, you know, maybe put the starters in for for I don't know a drive or two, or maybe even three at the most in a preseason game. You know, that way fans could can actually see the starters on the field, and, and you know, for them to say, "Hey, I got to see Ben Roethlisberger throw a touchdown pass Antonio Brown in a you know in London." Mm-hmm. and Uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, with the regular season, it's just these games mean too much. Uh, The league, every day, uh, it gets tighter and tighter. You know, games, divisions, every game practically is a must win, Um, especially, in you know, in some conferences and some divisions because it's just so tight. So, I mean, I, I, I do agree with you, you know, if they want to do this, make it a preseason game. And if they're worried about not seeing the Stars, just throw them in for maybe a drive or two or, or three, just so just so everyone's happy.
0: We obviously agree on the travel process, but to me, and I've heard NFL players, uh, former NFL players who are panelists on ESPN and NFL Network, again, the, the, the whole thing with August and September being back to school for their kids, and it's just m- moving your families out, it, it's tough. I remember Steve Nash, uh, when he got traded to the Lakers, there was a huge rumor that, He was probably going to go to New York, and when he went from Phoenix to LA, he was talking about how this is great for his family, because instead of seeing his family three to four times a year, he might get to see them three to four times a month instead. So, uh, look, these players do give up a lot. Uh, I was watching Tony Gonzalez's documentary and how close he is with his family, and uh, it it wasn't easy for him to leave Kansas City, especially with his family being all the way in the West Coast in California, so uh, I think that's a big factor that... That goes into it. Hey, Max, it's, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. One last thing, going, going back to the Chiefs and Steelers, I, I got to ask from a prediction uh, from you in this game, a score prediction. 4-2 uh, Pittsburgh, 1-5 and five Kansas City in uh, in the Steel Pit area. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen here?
1: Uh, let's see here. Who, who are you giving me a quarterback, man? That is the number one question because that is the number one question that all the Steel fans are, are waiting for is who is going to be playing this football game.
0: Uh, you know what? Let me give you Michael Vick because look, I'll, I'll I'll give you my prediction first because whether it's Vic Roethlisberger, if it's Landry Jones, it's wide open. Uh, but but I think it's gonna be either Roethlisberger or Vic. I think Vic can do a lot against this Chiefs defense. I think it's gonna be at least a two possession game. Uh, I, I just don't see Kansas City keeping up with the Steelers offense, and then on top of that, Kansas City's offense. Uh, what 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 threat do they pose against the Steelers? I I think the better question is. What, what threats do the Steelers have against the Chiefs? And You can answer and say that they have a lot of threats. Uh, so I think this is going to be at least a two-possession game in, in Pittsburgh's favor, unfortunately. No, not unfortunately for you, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I will take that all day. Um, I actually disagree with you on the quarterback's man. Um, I, I feel like I have a lot more confidence in Landry Jones uh, than Michael Fick. Um, just because, you know, watching him in that Arizona game, uh, it just seemed like he had such command in the offense. You know, he's been in Todd Haley's system the entire time he's been in Pittsburgh, which has been three three years for Landry now. Uh, he knows all the plays. Uh, you know, he would audible, audible out of, uh, I believe, the, the Martavis Bryant 88-yard uh, touchdown. I believe that was run play, and he checked to the quick glance to Bryant, and obviously they know the rest. Um, I, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, Landry Jones sort of plays. This kind of, I guess, kind of be over overtaken. But I feel like he plays a little bit like Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, he he stands in the pocket uh, on the two touchdown passes against Arizona. He, he took pretty good shots at the end of those plays, and he and he got up and, and you know obviously scored the touchdowns. Um, I feel like if Landry Jones is starter, I feel like everything's going to be fine. Obviously, it's not going to be on the caliber of Ben Roethlisberger, but I do believe it's going to be. I'm going to go final school
0: of 35-17 Steelers here. All right, he's Max Shepman. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, if you are in the Florida area uh, for uh, local sports coverage there, or if you're a Steelers fan and you want to listen to him, or if you just want a good follow, follow him on Twitter, MadMax1063 on Twitter. He's also at ESPN West Palm and WPTV. You guys can check him out there if you're in the Florida West Palm area. Max, it was definitely fun. Hopefully, we can do this again. And uh, I don't know if I convince you into doing a podcast again, but I know you're a p- pretty busy guy. I know you want to, but uh, uh, d- definitely love the work that you do. And uh, I'm glad we got to do this.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. Like I said, uh, it-, it feels like old times doing this again. And obviously, yeah. you know, congratulations to everything that you're going on. I know you got a lot of stuff going on with Kansas City and-, and everything that you've done. So congratulations to you. And uh, yeah, man. Appreciate I mean, it, man. man hopefully we can get to you know do this again soon and uh i i i'm not gonna lie i have uh, thought about bringing the steel pit podcast back but unfortunately uh, fortunately it's just uh, a
0: little too busy <laughs> Palm Lowe, so it's tempting isn't it
1: it is it's very tempting because <laughs> I, I miss those days man i miss them
0: all right he's max Shepman. max thanks a lot buddy uh we'll keep in touch all right buddy sounds good man. Alright, big thanks again to Max Shepman, former host of the Steel Pit Podcast, and he and I are in agreement for the game this weekend. Again, be sure you guys do uh, follow his work if you're in the West Palm area uh, with uh, ESPN West Palm and WPTV and follow him on social media. Uh, Look, uh, we'll see what happens. You you know, I remember uh, 2009 exactly, the Chiefs and Steelers, reigning Super Bowl champions, the Steelers, came into Kansas City, and next thing you know, uh, you saw that big upset Win for the Chiefs in overtime. So you never know sometimes, but I'm not holding my breath for it. Especially with how limitless or how limited I should say the Chiefs are on offense. And it's gonna be it's gonna be rough. Uh, you know, I thought the this four game stretch starting with Chicago, I thought it could have been a turning point, but with the injury and just the continuous issues the Chiefs have, there are no signs that this team's gonna pick up many wins this year. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of The Chiefs Zone. A big thank you goes out to Max Shepman again. Be sure you interact with me on social media. I love all the discussion with you guys, whether it's Chiefs, Royals, whatever the case may be. You guys can like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of The Chiefs Zone. Enjoy the Royals. Enjoy the Chiefs. Let's hope Kansas City can get a couple wins for us this weekend. Advance to the World Series and... Try to get another win to the win column for the season. All right, I'm Farzine Vasugi, and that'll do it. I'll talk to you guys next week.